What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Forgotten Jesus Podcast. Today, we are picking up where we left off last week. We started talking about the angel Gabriel and announcing the birth of Jesus. And you kind of left us with some homework to figure out what passage or what story was this like in the Old Testament. Yeah, well, we announced the birth the birth of John. We're, we were about right. to announce the birth of I'm Jesus. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. No, that's all right. You're, Happy you're, birthday, John. You do. <laughs> John. And he's not born yet, but it's an announcement. Ah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying, anyways. Yeah, it's the gender reveal part. That's right. That's right. It's John. All yeah. right, so Candy, uh, yeah. you had the homework. What did you find out? I, I don't remember the homework. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at least somebody's paying attention. All right, go. let's just finish this last line before okay. we get into the announcement of Jesus' birth. Okay. All right, Luke 1.25. Let's read it. And if you're listening, you could follow along and see if you found the connection, the Kesher, the Remez to the Old Testament. Okay. Okay. Luke one twenty five. Luke one twenty five. The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Yeah. The context is who's talking? It's Elizabeth. Elizabeth is barren. Yeah, Elizabeth is barren for years and years. Uh, To not have a child was to be disgraceful, humiliated, shame. Really, to to have the judgment of God on you, and she rejoices now when she realizes this is like kind of perplexing to me because. For a woman to feel that something is wrong with her, you know, because she can't have children, like that stigma, that would not have come from God nor Jesus. So culturally, that was placed, that burden was placed on these women that something was wrong with them. Yeah, culturally, yes. That's so sad to me. Yeah. Because that's not true. No, yeah. Well, they feel like th- th- back then, I guess, I mean, yeah, it's not right. But I think the society like I they get lived the, in. the desire to want to have kids and, and that sort of thing. But no. you're not cursed and there's nothing wrong with you if that if that has not happened in your life. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and correct. And for the women back in that in that day, it was that was a really big deal. You know, yeah. like if you were barren and you and you weren't allowed to have Well, and you didn't know, like today you can go test and say, all right, the guy has an issue or the girl right. has an issue. Well, back, we went through that. Yeah, back then, the girl really took the shame upon her, yeah. uh, uh, you know, And it could have been, the, it could have been the guy's fault. Yeah, it, either, it but, either, but either way, though, you're right, it's unfair. But yeah. again, back then, to have children and lineage and pass on the family name, that was a big was part of the yeah. culture. Yeah. yeah, that was a big part of the culture. Okay, so here she is saying, finally, the disgrace is taken okay. away from me. Now, here's the question: Who says that in the Old Testament, basically <laughs> verbatim? I don't know. I, I, think I, got I have it. a guess, yeah. but I don't know if it's right. right who is right, it? Here's your completely guess. a guess. Okay, Hannah. Close. I'm gonna say Sarah. Yeah. Older or farther? Cl- cl- close, but too far. Okay, wait, wait. Somewhere in the middle. So it's between Hannah and Sarah. Somewhere between Hannah and Sarah. Closer to Hannah. I mean, closer to Sarah. I only had one guess. Rebecca. Rachel. No. Go to Rachel. Genesis 30. Rachel. That was a good guess. 30, 23. 30, right. 23. Genesis 30, 23. Go to Genesis 30, 23, and we'll just put this one bow on this passage, and then we're going to move on. Genesis. 30, 23. Okay, I'm getting there. Um, 30, 23 says. Okay. Remember, Rachel is barren. Okay. Well, ten, let's, let's are, start in 22. Okay, there are 10 other brothers. Now, Rachel has no children, and mm. she's going to rejoice. Watch this. Yeah, no, this is good. good. That's why we're starting in 22. Okay, 22. Okay, then God remembered Rachel. Ooh, remembered. Yes, yeah. he listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son. 
And she said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add another son to me. Ooh, now, if you're reading this, you're also getting the subtle connection to Joseph, who yeah. is Mary's husband going to be? Ooh. Joseph. So you have all these little connections here. I don't Ooh. think it means a lot, but I think it's interesting that Rachel's going to have a son named Joseph and a miraculous birth. Mary and Joseph are going to be together. Okay. Wait, are okay. you moving on? Sorry. I'm moving on. Why? What do you want to do? What do you want to say? <laughs> you know how Elizabeth has a name meaning? Yeah. Do you know what Rachel's name means? Tell us. Female sheep. Because she was... Nothing to do with anything. I was just... She was a shepherdess, I was just right? letting you know. Female sheep. <laughs> I think she was, yeah. Okay. All right, moving on. Is that what it I... means, female, a female sheep? That's what it says. Female sheep. Oh, gosh. Okay. Huh. Just feel know. the weight of that. that that's pretty insightful. <laughs> See, you never know when Andrew's going to drop a nugget on us like that. Um... <laughs> That's a joke. I right, thought, I'm sorry, you were actually going to say. Joke. All right, do you have any something I helpful? Thought, uh, honey, <laughs> what does that mean? Are you Andrew to me? did not give us anything helpful I'm right there. I'm just telling I'm you saying. the truth. No, I'm saying, are you going to give us something helpful for the study? Go ahead. No, well, I was going to say, do you want to explain to our listeners okay. the, the whole concept of remembered? Like when we see in the Old Testament where it says God remembered Hannah. God remembered. It, no, I didn't plan on doing that. You do it for us. Tell us Do you think quick. I should do that right here or no? Or do you want to move on to something else? I think we could have already done it. Sorry. Yeah, it, it depends on how long it's going to be. I have a whole agenda for this morning, okay. but if well, you want to go let's with remember. Put that, we can do that another put time. Put a pin in that. Robert, put that a pin for the other 27 things we want to get to one day. Bonus episode. Bonus episode. All right, verse 26. Here we go. Let's read. We're, we're finally getting to Jesus, oh, we're the long-awaited Messiah. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Okay, let's stop here. Okay, there's so much we can talk about in these two sentences, okay? Let's just take it uh, one after another. Okay, in the sixth month, some have tried to say historically that's the sixth month of the year, but we're going to know in just a moment that's not the case. It's in the sixth month of what? Her pregnancy. Whose pregnancy? Yes. Not Mary's pregnancy. Elizabeth's. Elizabeth's pregnancy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called what? Nazareth. Nazareth. Okay. That's an interesting concept. We're going we're gonna to unpack that uh, at a later time. But Nazareth was, and we mentioned this before, it was a hotbed for um, Messiah-like figures. It was connected to the shoot of Jesse, Nazareth, uh, the, the shoot of Jesse, which is the word, um, um, a Netzer. Netzer is the word, shoot, Netzer. And so they believed that the Messiah would come from Shoot Town or Branchville, mm -hmm. Nazareth, in a sense. Nazareth also was an interesting town in the sense of it was uh, a blip on the radar. In fact, most, most of the maps back then and even years later did not even have Nazareth pinpointed on the map because it was so insignificant. Wow. Nobody lived there. Mm -hmm. A town of guess how many people lived? How many people lived in Nazareth? About, take a guess. 500. 200. Close, two, two to 300, yeah. okay? It was, it was basically, if you are from Middle Tennessee, they would say these were the hillbillies were. Right. The backwood. I mean, in a sense, the backwood. You want me to start naming towns? I grew up here. I can give you all No, no, no. We don't okay. want to offend anybody. Okay, we don't sorry. want to lose listeners. I'm I grew up there, so. A, I was going to say, I did too. I like I can say that. Oh, did you? Where did you grow up? I can't say. You just said I can't oh. offend anybody. <laughs> no, if you're from there, you can say no, it. I'll offend all Does 300 Does anything good come from Springfield? Oh, yeah. A lot of great things. Oh, 
Uh, oh, sorry. Walmarts. <laughs> I meant Andrew. Burgers. You were from Springfield. <laughs> they add S to everything. You know, it's funny what, how people do add S. I know. To isn't things. that funny? Years. My, my grandma used. My grandmother used to say that. I'm going to Walmart. Uh, K-Marks. 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 She called it K-Marks. Really light special. All right, moving on. Okay, moving on. Okay, so Nazareth, insignificant. Nobody lived there, and yet uh, it was uh, a hotbed for. Um, Insurrectionists. Yeah, insurrectionists and Messiah-like figures. Another thing about Nazareth is they kept copious records of genealogy because of this. So they mm. knew whose daddy's daddy's right, daddy right. daddy was uh, in your past. So they knew that, okay? So Nazareth is where he is. To a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about today is the betrothal process. Okay. Okay. Do you know much about the betrothal process, Andrew? I do, but I don't want to give it away. Okay. Well, tell us what you know. Okay, tell so you know. the betrothal betrothal process is basically like being married. Like it is that big of a commitment without, you know, yes. some of the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, it, yeah, without consummation. Yes. Yeah, that's what you're getting at. Okay. Well, and and really before like the wedding ceremony, like if you were engaged, it was still I mean, like you couldn't it just was, break off the engagement. Right. You had to get a divorce yes. from the engagement. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's similar to when Jesus says a man goes and buys a field or goes out and buys a it's the same kind of engagement in an agreement. Once you say once you negotiate the agreement, I'm gonna buy the field, it's mm-hmm. done. Right. You know, it's like a legal binding. Same thing goes with the betrothal. Now, another word for betrothal for those who are interested is the word what? I don't know. Engaged. Oh, okay. To be engaged yeah. or to pr- uh, promise. You know, you're going to promise. Now, when you get engaged today, what do you do? When you Put and a ring Jenny on that finger, engaged, you know what I'm saying? Put a ring on it. Put the ring on the finger. Yeah. Yeah, but once the ring goes on, it doesn't really come off, Not right? In that, in that culture. Yeah. Today, you hear people breaking it off at the end, whatever. Now, you got to understand another thing. When you got engaged back then, this was not like today's dating scene. Right. Or even even years ago, you know, when we were dating. But today mm-hmm. it's different. Today there is more of a matchmaking with, right. you know, eHarmony and well, Christian like Mingle. Today and, you can pick who you marry. Right. Right. Back That's then the point. it was arranged. Right. Yeah. Back then, get, who Sometimes arranged the marriage? Sometimes it's still arranged today. Just depends on some cultures. Culture. Yeah. Parents. Yeah. With goats. Involved. Okay, yeah. So let's explain the betrothal the process, and this yeah. will really make sense. So, and really, just to say, they they didn't really have rings. Do you, did they exchange a ring? No, I didn't think. So. I don't think they exchanged rings. Huh? No, no. The way they made covenants back then is they would uh, cut a finger sometimes, and they would mix the blood together. And sometimes they would, I'd cut my finger and your thumb, and we would come together and we put yeah. the blood. That was a covenant making process where they would say these two. Uh, these two parties come together, and as our blood is mixed, the only way we could break it is by blood. Somebody's going to die. Jeez. Okay, so that's it. They had a salt covenant. I'm working that to my, the next wedding I do. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it. I'm like, Give you me can't. your finger, yeah. Mike. <laughs> Pull out a pocket knife. Yeah. It's going to go bad, yeah. Okay, what were you going to say? You can't mix blood today. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. Like, you don't want to be mixing your blood with somebody else's blood? If you get married, you do. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If you're married. Yeah. Well, back then, but we're, we're way removed from that. Yeah, okay. So, back then, they didn't have rings. What they had was agreements, okay? Right. The way you got engaged back then was the father of the, of the husband normally would go out and find... It was actually, it was actually called de-harmony, dad harmony, because right. dad was trying to harmonize the relationship. So, dad would go out. He would select a woman for the son. 
Now, the ages of the boy and the girl are important. How mm -hmm. old is the boy normally? Could be. I'm going to guess older. Okay. Uh, let's go 23. Could be, but it could be as young as, according to the Mishnah. 15. 17. No, 18. Oh, I was by 18. 18. By 18. Yeah. The boy at 18 normally would be thinking through, processing, getting married. Right. Okay. In Joseph's situation, we don't know for sure, but some scholars believe Joseph was older. Why do you think they believe Joseph was older than, than younger? Ooh. Do you know why? Because he had a job. Well, that's a good guess. Well, he did but have a job, yes. But they had jobs at 15, 16, okay. remember, because they're working for the family business. Right. Why would they think Joseph was older? Because after a certain point, we don't hear anything else about we him. We never Ooh. hear about him, and okay. we think he died. Yeah. He died because he was older. Okay, so that's just we, a guess. They think, yeah. They think he died. He's not present in the right. in the adult life of Jesus. Yeah. So the sad. last time, yeah. The last time we hear about Joseph is when he's 12. After that, Joseph's out wow. the picture. Okay, so here's the betrothal process. Mm -hmm. You make an agreement. Uh, the father uh, of the son at the age of 17, 18 would normally go find a bride for his son. As young as, you ready for this? As young as how old? 12. No, uh, 12, 12 years, six months, and a day, according to the mission. Okay. Wow. A girl had to be 12 years, six months, and a day. So that's like 12 and a half. It's exactly and 12 and a half and a day. <laughs> 12 and a half and a day. Who knew? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we don't, I don't know if Mary was that young, but I do believe Mary was probably 14 yeah. or 15, which uh, let's just go 15 to right in the middle. This is going to be, um, it, it really speaks to this girl's passion and, and desire to please the Lord as we get to further on when she starts quoting scripture and, and, and preaching in a moment, you'll see. But it just shows this is a 15-year-old girl having to make some major mm. decisions of trust and obedience to the Lord. Right. Okay? So what happens is the father of the son would go to the bride's home after they start to say, hey, we're going to work this out. The son normally would see the daughter for the very first time. Okay, and that's who you were going to marry and be stuck with the rest of your life. Wow. Now, you you got to think, this is not a culture of romance and sex and, you know, uh, emotions like today. Right. Right. Okay. There actually, I was reading this morning, there are actually some instances of people who got married but did not have sexual intercourse. And they would label this, these couples, this woman, a virgin. For the rest of her life, they would say mm. this woman's a virgin because they didn't have any sexual intercourse together. So it's interesting. It's a very different culture, yeah. obviously, than today where we're inundated with yeah. immorality. Now, when and they would arrange and, these marriages, they're they're not necessarily going to other towns to find this person. They're going within their own community. Um, or do you know? Yes and no. Uh -huh. So it could be either. It it could be, yeah, it could be, but it would be, uh, it could be other towns or parts of the area. You know, you could have a family friend or a relative or whatever would know somebody. And so, let's just say normally how it work is this: the father would come with the son. He would meet the would be bride. Okay, they would sit down, and depending on how generous the father uh, was of the son or how much money he had, he would negotiate what's called. You ready for this? A bride price. The price for the bride. Now, mm -hmm. why would you be paying the father for his daughter? I mean, you're you're taking a worker away from his family. That's exactly right. So the so the daughter would be a worker to provide mm -hmm. for that family, and so you're trying to negotiate and make up for the boy. So what the dad would do is he'd look at his son and say, "What do you think, son? Three sheep, two goats, and a chicken. Mm, maybe throw the brother in too. The brother. I'm just saying. 
Yeah. What we about don't a need tur- them anyways. What about a t- <laughs> yeah, throwing a turtle dove. Yeah. How about that? Okay. And what they would do is they would negotiate a price. I mean, this is a good looking girl. You got to understand. Three lambs, two goats. It's going to take all you got. Uh, two turtle doves. <laughs> yeah. Throw the second one in there. Yeah. Candy would give you the cattle on a thousand hills for mm. you, babe. But anyway, back then they would negotiate the price. What they would do is after they would negotiate the price, they would take a glass of wine, the, the, the father of the bride and the father of the of the boy and they would toast in this glass of wine and they would basically say this is our agreement now ray vanderlaan who's a, a jewish theologian scholar author on this says this about this bride price negotiation he said when it was time for a woman to to marry a man or a man to marry a woman both fathers would negotiate the price of the bride recognizing that she would be a precious loss to the family Taking a cup of wine, the groom drank from it and then offered the cup to the woman, the bride-to-be, symbolically saying that he wanted to make a covenant and would be willing to give his own life for her life. The woman, you ready for this, sealed the engagement by drinking from the same glass of wine. Now, from that point on, what the son would do is he would go back with his father to whatever town he lived in, which, to answer your question, could be outside of their town. They would never see each other again until the time for the wedding. Is that always the case? Like, what if they were in the same town and they just saw each other in passing? I mean, possibly in the same town and maybe at festivals. But as far as officially, okay. they would not be together. or Not have, like they were like going out on dates every week. And stuff. Yeah, this is how Mary and Joseph right. make sense, how they're not talking and they're the okay, part gotcha. and how, how would Joseph not this is how all this makes mm-hmm. sense because they could have been separate or living in another town you have to remember there's no Snapchat right. there's no Instagram there's no texting you know there's no internet our day right. emails there's no letter writing so basically the bride is left in limbo waiting and preparing for the day her yeah. bride comes, her, her bridegroom comes to get her. Okay, here's what happens the boy goes back with his father and he starts building a home mm-hmm. And remember, they didn't build like in the suburbs, right. you know, out, attached to their family home. Yeah, they didn't go buy land in, in a certain area. We're going to build a, 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 right. you know, a homestead. No, they actually added on. You ready for this? And we'll put a picture in here for you. They added on to what's called the insula. Mm-hmm. Okay, the insula was the home. And what they did is they just added a room on. You talk about getting to know your in-laws, right? right. Like you're going to add on. It'd be, it'd be you. Jenny gets to... You know, you and David Bolton, you're going to add on to Dad's <laughs> home. Imagine this, well, right? Well, so we, we still kind of do this. Some people do this today, and they just call it an in-law suite. Or, like, you people, know what I mean? Like, I mean, you guys. I mean, we did we, that. We did yeah. that, actually. We did that with your mother and father. Yeah, yeah and so. We did the reverse. Right. But, but well, yeah, we lived and, with them, and then they, and lived, they lived with us. us. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah, but, but it was official. They added on to the home, and you started to build the home. Now, the boy would be constructing the home or the, quote, you ready for this, room, mm-hmm. room, not a home, not a mansion. You're going to see where we're right. going here in a minute. Not a, not a mansion, but a room. And he's adding on to this already built establishment. Okay, so the boy starts building, and he goes to the father, and he repeatedly wants to know, is the home ready for my bride. That's how you signified the wedding would happen. Okay, how do you know how long? It was the boy had to go back with the family and make the right preparations to start raising a family and having a home, okay? So the boy would work long hours. He'd go to his father and he'd say, Dad, is it time to go get my, my bride? And the father would come and he would look at the home and he would say, no, you still have some work to do. 
And he'd go back and work. And then he'd work a little longer. He'd go to his father. He'd say, is it time to get my bride? And the father would look and say, no. And the point of that is the son never knew when the time was right for him, for the boy, to go back and get his bride. The son never knew. The family never knew. The only person who knew the Mm -hmm. time when it was right, the only person who gave the call to go back was the father. The father. Now, you remember Jesus, someone asked him, uh, when are you coming back, Jesus? Mm. Do you know when you're coming back? And Jesus says, the son doesn't know. The angels don't even know. Only the who? The father. Only the father mm. knows the time that wow. the son will come back for his bride. There's so many connections mm. here. We understand the betrothal. I mean, I could go on and on for a month on this, but let's, let's, let's speed up a little bit. Okay, so the son is building a home. When the time is right for the son to go get his bride, the father will go, he'd look at the property, he would say, son, everything is complete. The time has come. It is the appointed time. Go get your bride. And then the son would make his way back to the bride to go get her. Now, the way it would work is this. The son, the bridegroom, would have someone called a forerunner mm-hmm. who would go ahead of him to prepare the way wow. for the son. Because you got to understand, weddings and gatherings uh, uh, and was, was like a big deal in the, in, the, in the county, in the community. They lasted a week. A wedding lasted a week. Wow. Okay? This was like the biggest thing for them. That's why Jesus saved the wedding. It was a big deal. When he turned water on the wine, it was a big deal to save the wedding. So they would actually send a a party. The boy that's going to marry the girl would come with his friends, but someone would run ahead of him in the streets, and he would yell to the townspeople. He'd yell to the community, prepare the way. The bridegroom's coming. Prepare, wow. the, Get wow. out the streets. That's what he did. He'd be yelling, get out of the street. The bridegroom's coming. The bridegroom would come back. Now, when the forerunner would be running through the streets, zigzagging through those, those short uh, or those uh, tight corners and narrow streets, the townspeople would be getting excited. But every, you're going to love this, every bride-to-be would be in her home wondering if this is my bridegroom. Oh, wow. Could have been anybody's. Could have been anybody. Remember, there were no, did I mention, no text messages, right. no staff. <laughs> right. So every bridegroom, every bride had to be what? Ready. Ready. Remember Jesus told a parable about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you need to go and be ready as right. a bride. You never knew when your bridegroom was coming back. The bride had to be ready for her bridegroom. The believer has to be ready for when the groom comes back, Jesus, one day. That's why Jesus says, don't be caught off guard. You need to be ready, okay? Mm-hmm. So all the girls would be in the homes wondering, is this my bridegroom? Is he coming for me? So they would be prepared. And then all of a sudden, the bridegroom would come to the door. He would knock on the door. She would open it up, and she would realize he kept his promise. Mm -hmm. He promised that he would come back after he built the room prepared for the bride. Okay, now watch this. Turn with me to John 14, and we'll put a period on this and pick it up next week. John 14, verse 1 is bridegroom language. Jesus is the what? If you're talking about bride and bridegroom. Bridegroom. Jesus is the groom, the bridegroom, and the church or the disciples are what? The bride. The bride. That's what we're called, the bride of Christ, the Mm -hmm. church, okay? Now watch this. Jesus says to these guys who are reeling and nervous about his what? Departure. Mm -hmm. Just like, you're gonna love this. 
just like a bridegroom says, I need to go get some things prepared, but I'll but be back. back. It's the same anxiety that the bride, the bride has. Are you going right. to come back? When is it going to, we don't right. worry about all that. Mm-hmm. You need to know a few things. Watch what Jesus says. Verse one. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare right, a place right there. for you? Mm. We wrongly translate that as mansions. Right. And then we say, when you get to heaven, you get a mansion. You right. get a, you're going to get a mansion. No, you're not going to get a mansion. You're going to get a room on an insula of an already established home right. that Jesus tells the disciples, just like the bridegroom has to go back and prepare the home for the bride, mm-hmm. I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. Now, the only difference between the physical house and the heavenly house is that Peter tells us that this heavenly house is built with the bricks of believers. Mm. <laughs> the bricks that build the house uh, of heaven are wow. the believers. We yeah. are the bricks built on the cornerstone, Jesus. All right, keep going. Watch this. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Okay. You know the way the way to where I am going. Okay. So what Jesus said, and we're going to put a comma on this, and next week we're going to see the very next thing. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to go prepare this place, but I'm coming back to get you. And the very next thing, here's your homework assignment. What is the next thing that happens at the Last Supper that is all about marriage and betrothal and and the agreement of of a marriage Covenant. You're going to have to figure it out, and we'll talk about it next week. Okay, let me ask you this real quick before we close. So for those doing Forgotten Jesus groups, what's a mindset or something we need to be thinking about on this? What what does it look like for us to be getting ready while Jesus is building the house? So just give me a thought. No, I think that's the question. You you, you already said the question. The question is, what do we need to do as as the bride of Christ Mm -hmm to prepare ourselves with readiness for the return of the Messiah. That's the discussion question. Okay, great. Well, hey, a lot to discuss in your groups on this episode. Uh, If you enjoy this episode, share it with a friend. And as always, you can connect with us on social media at The Forgotten Jesus. That is a great place to send us a message, ask us a question, engage with us in that way. Uh, We have a lot of fun hearing from people on that channel. So we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you on the next one.